11-year MLS pro Quincy Marroquois here, and you're now listening to The Perfect Soccer Podcast, where your host goes one-on-one to get to know your favorite professional soccer players, both on and off the pitch. Because how better to learn what it takes to become a pro soccer player other than directly from pro soccer players? Today's episode is brought to you by PerfectSoccerSkills.com, the number one and only platform you'll ever need to connect with and learn from pro soccer players. Learn more and enter to win weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to PerfectSoccerSkills.com PSTM to enter to win for free today. With that said, please enjoy today's episode. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Perfect Soccer Podcast. Our special guest today is Zach Lubin. Zach, how's it going? Hey, Paul, doing well. Uh, just got out of PT, hanging out, looking forward to chatting. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you coming on. Um, let's just go back in time a little bit. Um, when was your first memory of playing soccer? Ooh. Um, <laughs> you know, probably my first real memory was in, in Montana. We had just moved there from, like, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Um, I remember just like, and, and it was being in goal, like just diving around, like playing in the grass, playing in the mud. Like that was the first big one. But I know like, you know, what really got me into it was fortunately growing up in Australia, New Zealand, my sister, my older sister started playing and it was like, whatever she did, I had to do. So when she went to practice, like I was on the side also kicking a ball around super young and you know, I feel like if it wasn't for that, I'm not sure, especially in Montana, that I would be a soccer player. You know, I'd probably have been playing football and basketball and baseball and stuff. So you were, you were born in New Zealand? Uh, I was born in Colorado, but we moved to Australia when I was six weeks old. Gotcha. And then we lived there for four years. And then we lived in New Zealand for a year. And we finally moved back to Montana when I was like five. That's that's super interesting. So do you like do you remember like being in Australia and in New Zealand or not really? Sadly, not really. I have a couple memories. Um, you know, I was wondering if like they're kind of like fabricated, you know, it's like you hear a story enough, you see videos enough, you you see pictures, you you can kind of create memories. Um there's a couple that that definitely stand out um to me but uh i you know and, and we had a trip it's sad because like i, I want to go back so bad and we are actually planning a trip to australia um at the beginning of 2020 and that obviously got canceled real quick i gotcha um and then yeah just take me through um like your your club career with um like high, did you play club or like high school or both both um yeah definitely and i, I still don't even think there's an academy in Montana, but um, yeah, I played uh, for the Bozeman Blitz, who then became like surf out of Colorado. But then I um, and then I played for the Missoula Strikers one year, or a cup uh, like under 19s when I was like a U17. Um, had to drive like three hours every weekend to go play. Um, a good team. We were one of the only teams to ever advance out of our group. Montana soccer is is small. Um, it's definitely getting bigger. Um, but we're the only team to ever kind of advance out of the group stage in, uh, in regionals, uh, from Montana that, that might've changed now for sure. I'm, I, I, I'm not sure, but, uh, 
yeah, at the time it was, uh, you know, we choked to regionals and, and get spanked, um, played, uh, played high school soccer for Bozeman high. We only, and we really only had one high school, um, in the, in our, in our city. So, you know, it was like, we grew up traveling so much to play because the next closest town that you could actually, you know, go get competition in was, you know, two hours minimum, mostly two, three, four hours away. Um, yeah, senior year, I um, I only ended up giving up one goal the whole season-ish. I, I went about six games in, clean sheets, uh, let in my first goal, and I punched the crossbar and broke my hand. Um, so then I finished that game, um, came out, didn't play in the second one that day, missed the next, like, four or five weeks of the season, came back for state, uh, state cup, went the whole tournament, didn't give up a goal, made a penalty save in like the semifinal, got a Montana's like sports play of the year. But then in the final zero, zero, we went to penalties and we, and we lost in the shootout. So I technically only gave up one goal that season, didn't give up a goal in the tournament and, and, and lost. So that was, that was pretty disappointing. For sure. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my little, you know, that was, that was me playing in, in Montana. And fortunately, you know, we, we didn't really have a ton of great coaching either. You know, no one had really played, but, um, you know, my parents were able to send me to soccer camps and um, just, you know, for me, I watched Casey Keller and Brad Friedel um, with the U S national team. And I was like, I want to be a goalkeeper. Like, and, um, that's kind of what drove me. And, and, um, I'd always decided like, I'm going to be a pro. And, uh, when, I mean, obviously I wanted to play for the national team, that was the big goal. And, uh, my parents supported me and I was definitely, a a big fish in a small pond and maybe a little naive for sure. And what, what that actually meant to, to become a pro, but, um, yeah, then, you know, went to college and, and grinded through and, and, and made it. So I'm, you know, very fortunate. My parents pushed me and, uh, I'm glad I didn't know maybe the whole, the yeah. whole global system of it, but, um, yeah, you know, I've been grinding ever since. And my uncle got me a signed autograph ball from Casey Keller when I was like 12 or 14. And I said, I wanted to do that. And, um, yeah, just a lot of little things that kind of kept me going. Yeah, that's dope. No, I think that probably helps a little not <laughs> to not know everything. Cause then it, yeah. you just like, you're just like, All right, I'm, I'm just going to keep on going and going. Um, and then what about um did have you did you play any other positions besides goalie? Not really. Um you That's know interesting. You, you'll play a little bit on the field. I think once I was like I, I didn't even start playing competitive soccer at all until I was like under 13s. I was, I was just playing like AYSO and now I play both. And then like by under 14s, I was just the goalkeeper. Um, you know, something I was a little spaz kind of, of a kid and didn't like running. I don't like running still. Um, but you know, diving around, playing in the mud, jumping in the grass, like, uh, flying through the air was always something I loved to do. I was a big skier, snowboarder too. Um, so, you know, just flight is, is pretty cool. Um, and I, maybe that's something I loved about it. Yeah, for sure. Now being um, from Montana, what was your recruiting process like? Um, <sighs> There wasn't recruiting in Montana. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I fortunately, one of my, uh, high school assistant coaches, um, you know, they're all teachers too. Um, and they knew I wanted to play college soccer. They, they knew I had the ability and he really helped me just shout out to him. My, uh, Mr. Kusak, um, for, for helping me so much because I wasn't being recruited, but it was like, Hey, like, let's get your information out. Let's get your videos. Like, let's try and help you get recruited. Um, you know, help me with all my letters of recommendation and stuff. But I, um, I, I actually was talking to Butler at one point because I had an, a coach in Montana that actually went there as an assistant. Um, but the big one back to my uncle who got me this autographed soccer ball from Casey Keller. Um, he was in Olympia, Washington, which is where my, uh, my mom was from. And that's where Casey Keller is from. And, um, uh, my uncle actually like did knew knew the Kellers and stuff. And, um, and then his stepdad was, uh, Casey Keller's stepdad was starting a soccer program at St. Martin's university in Olympia. Um, so, you know, my uncle told me about that and said like, Hey, first year NCAA program, like, let's get you in touch. So, so yeah, reach out to Rob Walker and, um, you know, and he, he was a goalkeeper coach and, and actually trained Casey growing up. Um, and, you know, I, I actually did end up going on a visit and he saw me, I was a big, uh, very skinny six foot five, you know, I was probably like 180 pounds, 175 pounds, um, and athletic. And, uh, you know, we trained a little bit and he's like, okay, like I, I can turn you into a goalkeeper as long as you want to listen. And we, we ran some sessions and it's like very coachable. That's, that's one thing I think I've, that's helped me through my career is, is that coachability. Um, and yeah, so then he, he, uh, he brought me on a team. I was a walk-on. Um, he had already basically kind of given scholarship money to who he thought his goalkeepers were going to be. Um, you know, they were, they were local guys out of Washington. He had actually known and kind of coached growing up. Uh, so yeah, I went, I went as a walk-on my parents, luckily, like I always had to have good grades. I could never skip class. I wanted to skip class all the time, but the, the way they got me and I played sports year round, I played hockey in the winter. I played soccer all summer, fall, um, spring. So there's never an opportunity to not have practice. And my parents always held that over my head. If I missed school, if I missed anything, I wouldn't be able to go to practice. So that's, that's what kept me in school. Uh, but I, yeah, I got, got good grades um, and got a, got academic scholarship, got most of it covered. Um, and then, yeah, walked on and um, I think two games into it, we were down in California and got smacked a little bit. Um, and I got a chance to play. They put me in at halftime and kept a clean sheet and had an incredible half and um, never gave the spot back up. And and then sophomore year, I, I got scholarship. And like by junior year, I was captain of the team and um, had kind of rounded out everything there. So, so yeah, it's just, you know, that grind and, and actually going back to that uh, at St. Martin's University, like day two, I think where goalkeepers are showing up early to preseason uh, training because we would always show up like an hour early. Goalkeepers would get a session in. Um, and Casey Keller was there. Oh, my God. And he was back from Germany. He was, he was in the Bundesliga at the time. He was back from Germany in the summer uh, training and getting fit, getting ready to go back. And I just remember like the smile, like seeing him. I was like, wait, is that Casey Keller? Like, 
no way. Just the smile on my face. I could still almost feel the, the cheeks, you know, clenching up as I tell the story. But, um, and then at that moment, I knew the coaches that I had was like, they trained him growing up there, getting him to this level. I was like, okay, so literally just like do everything they tell you and then some. And so from then on for four years, even beyond that, because I stayed and trained and, and coached the team a little bit to help me get ready. Um, you know, what, what they said I did and, and pushed and pushed and, and worked incredibly hard to, to make it to that level because I knew the coaches that I had could, could get me there. Um, so, yeah, that, that day I uh, remember it so vividly. And then getting to train and, and seeing that work ethic and that fire that he had in training, you know, where he's like training with a couple of college kids and, you know, the coaches might score one on him and he about freaking kicked the goal over. Just furious. You know, I'm like, holy, like, okay, like that's the level, like that's the desire. It's not just like showing up for game day and, and keeping the ball out of the goal, but it's that desire for every single ball, whether it's a single rep, a single play in a game, or you're doing a 20 rep drill or something. It's like every single ball, you, you do everything you can to keep it out of the net. So that was a huge experience for me. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That, that's just awesome that you got to, I guess, meet and and play with one of your idols yeah yeah it, it really was and he he's popped up a lot in my career so and i'm still i'll talk about him again it's kind of yeah. little steps that keeps keep me kept kept me going yeah for sure um yeah and then during college since like you said you you got the goalie position then you never gave it up was there i know you always wanted to go pro but was there a moment or anything that you thought you could actually like go pro yeah um uh, in between my junior and senior year, I got, we had a really good junior year, won the conference, went from like losing every game my freshman year, um, to winning the conference our junior year, you know, and that's game of experience. We had a bunch of freshmen starting. Um, but, uh, I got to start, you know, the Sounders, Seattle Sounders started in 2009 in MLS. Um, and I got to go out and start training with them, um, that summer, whenever they needed a goalkeeper whenever we needed a body um they brought me out and you know again that was a time like it was uh it was i was sitting there and i i because one of my assistants at st martin's he was the goalkeeper coach tom dutra he was the goalkeeper coach for the sounders um at the time he was able to do both when they were usl but obviously when they went mls in 2009 he he left us um but you know, I, I rode up with him from Olympia. I was like, you know, so I was like the first guy in the locker rooms and, um, you know, the second guy in uh, not saying like, Oh, I was there before Casey all for a specific reason that I was with the coach, but, uh, you know, first guy in the locker room, Casey, uh, Casey Keller. And, you know, he walks in and he's like, Zach, like, good to see you. How are you? Well, like talking to me, I'm like, Holy like he remembers me. Like he, he remembered my name. Um, and and that was kind of a surreal moment and then getting to train in that environment and i was like okay like you know i i definitely got banged on like i struggled but like you know i was a junior in college i was playing division two you know st martin's was a small division two school and and i really felt like i held my own for for my level obviously i wasn't like oh i'm way better than you guys but but for the experience i was like man this this and and, and just being in that environment automatically raises your level you know i'm not going to give a exact percentage but you know 
it, it really does. So it's like, okay, like I can, I can be here. Um, just got to keep grinding and, and keep working. And that was kind of a big, a big moment for me and realizing like, I think, I think I can do this. Yeah, definitely. And um, so you ended up your, was it your first pro team was in, in Sweden, correct? Yeah. First. So I, I had to drive first full time for yeah. sure. I, um, I, I, so then I stuck around, I, I played for the kids at Pumas um, in the PDL, but we were, a, we were a PDL pro team. Um, well, no, you know, no college kids. Everyone was on contract. Um, it, it on, on the peninsula in Washington. Um, and you know, that was another first little taste. That's the first thing I did after I graduated college, um, was playing for them for two years and, uh, had an incredible experience there as well. And learned from a lot of guys who had kind of been around, maybe it jumped up to MLS, but you know, there was no real USL. And so, and the only other pro team on the West coast even was LA blues outside of the MLS teams. Um, so there wasn't a ton of opportunity, you know, unless you were in major league soccer. Um, but yeah, I spent basically three years playing in the PDL. I was coaching my university. I was working at GNC. I worked at the gym uh, on campus. I was like a manager there, uh, you know, had a goalkeeper Academy was grinding for those three years. And then, um, yeah, finally got a trial and, and went and got my first full taste of, being a full-time pro in Sweden, um, at Lulio or, uh, yeah. IFK Lulio. So yeah, that was, that was an awesome experience. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. See, I don't think people like fans realize sometimes, even if you're, uh, you make it to, you know, say a pro league, you're, you still gotta, you still sometimes have to work, uh, in the off season and things like that. Um, oh yeah. Especially then, you know, like, even, you know, I'll say it like then I don't even know what the minimum was, but, you know, I think the MLS minimum changed in like 2015, 2016. And, you know, prior to that, you know, these guys were making 30, $30,000 a year, yeah. you know, in major league soccer. And, you yeah. know, while at the same time, you know, NFL minimum 450 <laughs> or so, you know, so it was like soccer was, there wasn't an opportunity. The USL had like, nine teams and they're all on the east coast except for la blues um you know it was tough and and yeah. so scandinavia was really a good because you know obviously if you're not playing for the national team you can't get into germany and and mainstream europe but scandinavia was the place to go for americans to to go kind of develop and play mm -hmm. um they had pretty lax you know um rules for visas and and stuff so there there was a lot of americans over there and met a really really good friend kevin garcia that first year who you know we're still great friends to this day i was in his wedding um or was at his wedding in columbia a couple of years ago he was going to be in mine um until we kind of had to push that but um yeah so it, it was it was really cool and you know made a made a best friend for life too over over there yeah that's awesome and then what what just say like what's the difference between just playing um like in a different country versus just playing, playing in America is the, is the style of play different? Yeah, for sure. Um, at the, it's far a little less in, you know, at least in Sweden, um, a little less athletic. Mm -hmm. I mean, not these guys were athletes. Trust me. Like don't, don't get me wrong there. Um, where Americans was like speed power, boot the ball as far as you could fastest guy up top, try and banging goals, you know, yeah. 
Um, and, and obviously that that's starting to change, you know, but that, you know, that was 2013 to probably, you know, the style of play wasn't really changing probably until like 2018, 2017, like where Americans were finally playing, but, but that was it. You know, I think the biggest difference in going over there was the ball mastery that these players had, um, you know, they grew up with the ball at their feet, the things they could do. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, we, we played a very, very, possession oriented game to where I was like, even as a goalkeeper on the field, I was like getting a little lulled to sleep at times. Like, man, these center backs is the ball's been on this back line for like 25 passes right now, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just buying their time. Um, but I learned so much about the game and, and playing out of the back and, and I had to work so, cause I really wasn't great with my feet. Um, <laughs> But fortunately, you know, being six six, big body, you're always going to get a good benefit of the doubt. And you know, let's be honest, like the name of the game in goalkeeping is keep the ball out of the net. So uh, you can you can get away with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, just just learning how to play possession, play play possession style football. You know, when to play, when not to. You know, in which circumstances. Um, I, I really learned a lot there and, and elevated my game and then forced me to to really work on my technical skills with my feet um and you know me and kevin you know running double sessions every day where it was training and then go home hang out whatever go back to the field you know two or three times a week just simple technical work you know getting a thousand touches a day type of thing um and, and growing my game there so you know, and that was the first time I even got to play for a full year, a calendar year. You know, it's tough in college. You're playing for like three months, four months. Okay, now it's Christmas and you're coming back in the spring. And at that time, it was basically track practice. We were running and lifting. We barely got to touch a ball, uh, you know, and then the PDL was only a four or five month long season. The USL was really only going like six months at the time. Everyone, you know, you always had to have a second job. You always had to be doing something in the off season. So there it was like first time, full time, you know, 11 months. Season was 11 months. These guys, they break, you know, mid-November and they're back, you know, January 1, starting preseason. And preseason is so long because the season wouldn't like start till March. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but you're playing a ton of games too. You know, we probably played like, you play 10, 12 uh, preseason games. So, you know, you were getting a ton of experience. We were playing – you know, again, at the USL, you know, they're playing maybe 20 games a year there in that season. I think I ended up playing like 35 games, you know, not all of them were counted, but, you know, still it was 30, 30 some plus games um, that I got to learn. Yeah. So it was massive for me. Yeah. So you, you played majority of your career in the, the USL. So what, what has that experience been like? And then like, what, what changes have you seen? Cause I like personally, I've seen like just the league grow in general. Oh my gosh. I mean, exponential growth. Um, yeah. Like I said, when I came, when I went to Sweden that year, I think they're, they'd grown to like 12 teams, like one or two, I think LA galaxy two came in a couple teams on the West coast and then 20, uh, I guess it would have been 2015. I, I'd signed with Tulsa roughnecks. Um, and at that point, I think then we were up to like 15 teams. There was a decent little league. Um, and the level was the level was getting good. But, you know, there's still, I remember like this one player we had on trial at Tulsa, you know, he had graduated from Georgetown, like a, a really good player. 
you know, and, you know, we, of course we offered him a contract with like <laughs> contracts were not, not good. I mean, you're living far, far below poverty level. Um, and uh, he's like, I'm not staying for this. Like, I, you know, I have a good degree from Georgetown. I have a job waiting for me. Like I'm out. Um, so I think the big difference now is you can make a career in the USL, you know, now there's how many, there's like 30 some teams, you know, you're playing 10 now get now are guaranteed with the new CBA, like guaranteed 10 month contracts. You can make a career. People are signing, you know, long-term deals before it was a one-year majority were one-year contracts, terrible money. Teams would just host tryouts in January and build a whole new team. You know, maybe they keep four or five players or whatever, but you know, now the turnover is still pretty high, but you know, turnover is more like 50%. You know, now some teams, you know, like you see like a Louisville, you see, Phoenix that are holding on to some players a little bit longer. I think there's been a lot of turnover, but you know, the, these teams that are finding success year after year, you see are maintaining their teams longer and longer um, where the teams that are turning over and signing one year contracts are, you know, struggle. Um, so that that's been a huge, a huge difference in the level of play and like that ball mastery. And now the American game, I think is growing so much because you still have the athletes, but now you're getting the skill, the technical part of it. Um, and that's just made a huge difference. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's just like, um, like you've seen even in like the NBA G league, like even those guys are getting like, they're the, they're getting more money. They're getting called up more. Like just that league is like before it was always like, uh, like you didn't, you almost didn't want to go there. Cause like it was, you, it was better. It was better to just go overseas and make more money essentially. Mm -hmm. Enjoy learning what it takes to become a better player from professional soccer players? Well, how would you like to work with professional players one-on-one? -on -one? Now you can with B-Pro by Perfect Soccer. Head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash B-E-P-R-O to apply to work with our network of pro players today. And then in 2000, 2018, you got called up to the Seattle Sounders. Uh, yeah. I don't think you didn't get to play, right? Nope. So, but what was that, that feeling like to just get called up to the MLS? Man, it was, uh, you know, obviously like that was always the goal and yeah. you know, the Sounders were my team. Like I wasn't just like, I was also a fan. Like yeah, not yeah. only did I want to play for them more than anything, but you know, when they started in 2009, I was at their first game, um, as a fan. And then mm -hmm. I would go, I would continually go half my friends had season tickets. I was at, all the home games like so so it's a really and, and i've been in and out of their organization i was you know the usl was short and i was always able to seattle was kind of my home base i was always able to like jump into training with them when i was getting done with season or like i spent a few preseasons with them as well um just because you know they were starting in january and you know the usl preseasons weren't starting till march and obviously that's again changed where you you know usl and mls are basically starting at the same time um, so to go from a guy in the stands and a fan and, and that being, you know, obviously it's like, Oh, what's your dream? I want to play for the national team. I want to play for man United. I'm also a realist. So at the time that, that did become the dream was like, mm -hmm. I want to play for the Sounders. I, I consider them the, one of the biggest and best clubs in MLS. And, you know, obviously they're a dynasty. I don't think they ever missed the playoffs in their 12, 13 year history now in the league. 
um, with and sprinkle in a few MLS cups. Um, so yeah, to like, you know, get that call, which almost didn't happen. It's actually a pretty wild story. So like, obviously they had some concussions, Stefan Fry, um, was out and, and my, uh, is actually a good friend of mine, Brian Meredith, who we played on kids at Pumas together and won a national championship in 2011. Um, he was actually going to start that game. Well, he did start that game. Um, but I was in Phoenix and two of our goal. So we had four and two of our goalkeepers were out too. uh, one with a concussion and one with like, uh, a meniscus issue. And we had a game on a Friday and they had a game on Saturday that they needed me for. And so they called and was like, Hey, we want Zach in. And we're, Phoenix was like, no, like we, we, <laughs> we actually can't like, we have a game. We don't have two the him and Carl are the only two healthy goalkeepers. Um, so we have to dress them on Friday. And basically Seattle came back the next day and was like, we don't care. Like dress them on Friday send them we got him a plane ticket for saturday morning <laughs> so so yeah i think it was a first i think i'm the first and only player sam dewar tweeted this out so i'm like i'm, I'm the first and only player to have like dressed in two for two different teams in back-to-back days <laughs> um so yeah dress friday like didn't sleep barely um got on a like six or seven a.m flight flew to seattle brought my suit changed changed into my suit at the airport went straight to the stadium um you know had had food hung out luckily you know i've been in the club so much i knew the staff i knew you know you know not just the coaching staff but the equipment just the whole and i've been to games i i'd shown up to games with the team you know in the locker room so so luckily it wasn't like a huge shock you know, and that, that's a big reason they wanted me. I knew the club, I knew the players. Um, so it was an easy transition, but you know, to walk out and especially, you know, they're playing Portland Timbers. So, you know, stadiums full 60,000 fans, um, you know, warm, I, you know, I enjoyed the warmups. I thought it was really sharp. Again, you just raised that level. I was ready to play, but you know, Brian Meredith had a fantastic game. Um, he had a few good string of games there and, you know, that kind of, progressive and he, he'd been taken a few times now in expansion drafts just because of the level he he has the ability to play at um you know would have loved to get in but it was cool because i had you know one of my best friends who supported me he we we met in college you know he was there obviously he's a season ticket member but then to have like a lot of friends that were in the stands that didn't know that i was coming up because i really couldn't say anything and i don't think they announced it until like that morning <laughs> Um, and so, you know, to then show up and have all these messages and people taking pictures, like sending me pictures of them in the stadium and me, it was, it was a really, really cool experience. And, um, you know, I obviously haven't spent the time in MLS that I would like to mm -hmm. have, um, but, you know, to, to at least know like, Hey, I've been there and I've been very close a few times. Like, I know I can be at that level. Um, but still like, that's not what it's about. And for me, I would also rather play than yeah. you know be in the like i think i would have the ability to earn a spot but you know to to play and enjoy and be here in phoenix and win trophies than you know to be sitting on the bench or not dressing in, in major league soccer um for sure and especially now you know we talk about again the growth of the usl yeah. that you can make a nice career um in this league so 
it's uh you know it all it all's worked out and come together yeah that's awesome now you gotta tell, tell me that you got to keep that jersey i did yeah it's, it's awesome too <laughs> because it's uh it was a cascadia cup game so it's like a special unique jersey with different the the cascadia numbers that you know, are the blue green white of you know the pacific northwest so yeah that's a that's a that's a cherished um prize for me that's for sure yeah that's awesome all right you ready for the five quincy questions oh yes i've been waiting for these <laughs> uh what's the most important uh quality or skill that you feel has made you successful as a pro player probably the mental toughness like i've had a ton of setbacks um you know i or you know not making a team not getting the opportunity i feel i've deserved but never being the victim it's never been for me like um oh like forget that coach he doesn't know what he's talking about like oh i'm not playing because of this like you know this is your fault like why are you doing this to me i've always had the ability to just kind of look in and be like okay you know i didn't get this opportunity why well i gave up that goal this is what led to it or i uh, you know I, I need to be better with my feet oh, that that was some bad decisions like let me work on that so it was always like i always took lessons away from failure and then worked in credit and then my work rate that would be the the other real one like to take lessons from failure and then have the work rate to fix them. Um, and so I was never a victim. I always took what I learned and then worked incredibly hard to correct it and make sure that didn't happen again. Um, what's the what's the biggest mistake you think pro players are making? <sighs> I want to say, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old. Uh, I'm, and so I think like, especially here in the U S thinking at any time, you know, especially with kids, I feel like growing up in academies now, you know, if you're in the Sounders Academy, if you're in galaxy Academy, having this idea, like of already feeling like you've made it right. Um, I think a lot of players run into that. I even, you know, across the USL and MLS is like, Hey, like we haven't made it. You haven't made it. Like you could always go to the next level. If you're in the USL, okay, work hard, be an MLS, you know, and, and I take that with a grain. And I, I don't say that like, oh, I've done these things. Like I was always pushing every year, even though I'm 30 years old, 32 now, I'm still pushing to be like, you know what, maybe I'll get a shot, um, you know, or and if you're in MLS, like I got to keep pushing. I haven't made it. Like I should be playing in Europe. Like I should be playing with the national team. I think this sense of overconfidence and, and, and kind of just resting on their laurels and not continuing to push, you know, you hit, you hit a milestone, you hit some success. Awesome. But don't rest there. I, I, I kind of think that's, that's a tendency here in the U S and, and, and kind of, I think a lot of it too is the professionalism of some of the clubs of being an Academy of, of being the USL, because, you know, if you're in Europe and you're not in those top, top clubs in leagues, like, you don't get the same things that we're getting here in the United States in the second tier. Mm -hmm. You know, we are treated like full on pro. We have facilities that match, you know, some top, top clubs, but like, you know, we're not there. We're not as good players. And so sometimes I feel like in Europe, there's always that sense of grind. Like, you know, I, I got to get to this level. I got to hit the next one. Like, because you're not treated as well as, as we get treated, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the, in the lower tiers. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think I don't know who else, but I interviewed at this point over like fifty players. So uh, a couple of people said like the same thing um, that you said about the biggest mistake that they're making over overconfidence. That's a and not like um, yeah, like pretty much like being too comfortable almost. Mm-hmm. Um, what what advice would you give to a younger player to to make a pro league? You're never good enough. Like continue to do the little things, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though you're, you're playing at a top level, like getting, continuing to work the little technical pieces, you know, um, and the strength, I would say get doing the little things, studying film, continuing to work on the technique and then, you know, hitting the gym, you have to be strong, especially in this league. Now, you know, that that's so important and just strong in terms of, um, Injury prevention is is just massive. I think there was a lot, and I, it's changed now. And I would say the younger generation is probably doing better with this now than we were. It was like it, I was a gym rat, so that's maybe why I find it so important. Um, but but yeah, you know, hitting the gym and being strong and 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 not letting injuries get you, and that that's the best thing you can do um, for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, these these next two um, could be soccer related or life related. Uh, what is something that most people think is true that you believe isn't? What is something? <laughs> Sorry, say that again. What is something that most people think is true that you believe isn't? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, this is one. Crypto that cryptocurrencies are currencies because cryptocurrencies aren't. Bitcoin is a currency. You could say Doge is a currency, but like the majority of them out there are businesses, are networks, are blockchain technology. And so people put this idea of just like, this is a currency. What does it mean? There's a million of them. It's like, no, these are businesses. These are ideas that are being formed on the blockchain. They're not all currencies. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um what the last Quincy question, what is something you would move forward with if you weren't scared of what would happen if things didn't go well? You know, that's a tough one for me, to be honest. Um, because I don't really care generally. I never really have cared about the, the destination. Um, so I don't really look at things in terms of like, this is going to be successful. Um, and whether people, how people judge success and look at that, I don't always agree with. And so if it's something I truly believe in and whether people want to believe in that or not, I will move forward with it and, and do what I have to do to, to be successful. Um, so if I'm, if I'm interested in it, like crypto, like NFTs, I will blaze forward. And what happens happens. Um, and if I found, if I fundamentally believe in something, then I'm going to do it. Um, because it's really not about the end goal. I don't think it's a lot about the journey and that's kind of been, been my soccer career. So I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but I'd have to think like, you know, it's just, I'm very passionate about things. And if I have passion for it, I'm going to push and I'm going to do it. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like that answer. Cause I feel like I'm kind of like the same way and I just kind of like do things that I don't 
really have, like, obviously I want to succeed and yeah. sometimes it just doesn't pan out and you just do the next thing basically. Exactly. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to see it through until I've either succeeded or I've absolutely failed and I have to do something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about NFTs. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so yeah, the, the whole idea of success and being judged or fear of social acceptance has never been something that, you know, I don't think I'd be a soccer player if I was because of, just about every person and every teacher I ever had high school, college being like, are you sure? Yeah. I think you're going to need to have a backup plan. Yeah. You know, and obviously, fortunately I have always valued and my parents valued education and I got that. Um, But, but yeah, no, that would be, that I'm going to stick to that answer. Yeah. No, I like that. Uh, Are you ready for a few fun questions and we're going to be done after that? Yep. All right, so I know uh, we talked previously um, about NFTs and crypto. Just tell me a little bit how you how you got uh, into that space and and what you've learned. Ooh, um, yeah, I uh, well, one thing I, I got into it because you know it was like 2017, and a buddy of mine, uh, this another soccer player I played with, we sat down at a coffee, and he's like, "Man, you gotta buy Bitcoin. Just do it." basically like I have this cousin who's <laughs> super smart. He's got this algorithm and, you know, Bitcoin's going to be at 50 grand, like in the next couple of years, Bitcoin's going to be at hundred K just start buying. And so I did. Um, and I kind of, and I wish, and not for price or like where it could be, I wish I'd gotten into it earlier. Um, and it really resonated once I did, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy it. But then it was like, I better learn. Um, And I started reading and I started researching and, and like Bitcoin and what it's doing is so fundamental to my beliefs too. I find our financial system to be incredibly predatory Um, and it keeps people down. It takes advantage. It's, it forces people into bad situations. Like the idea of credit, you know, you have to go into debt to get good credit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it allows you to have financial freedom. And so that's like, I just, I truly like fundamentally believe in it and, and where it's going. Um, and that the top 1% shouldn't just control, you know, our monetary system and pe- keep people in classes. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like how I got into it. And then obviously being in the space for a few years, um, I, I've been invested in several different, I am invested in several different cryptocurrencies. It's a great way to make passive income, um, not financial advice. So I'm not going to talk about specific um, crypto, but, um, and then it was like seeing, being in the space and seeing like, okay, like NFTs, like what, what's going on here? Like I better, I got to figure this out too. Um, And, and it took me a long time. It took, you know, it took me six, seven months before I was finally like, okay, I, I think I get it now. What's, what's my entry into it. And, um, and then it was, you know, fortunately a friend here launched this project pigeons of New York. And, um, I love the art. It was something that just like, I saw it and it just clicked and resonated with me. Um, and I loved the story. I loved where he's going. And, you know, I was actually his first purchase and, um, now I find myself on the core team and that's why everyone here who's probably annoyed if they've ever seen my Twitter, probably a little annoyed at me just talking about NFTs and stuff. But, um, 
it's really something that's, uh, you know, I've been able to be super passionate about, especially as I've been nursing um, a back injury for the last year, I've had a couple surgeries. Um, it's been a great outlet, you know, for me, because I am a very passionate person in what I get into. I'm, I dive into head first and a hundred percent, you know, if I, if I can't find myself truly passionate about something, doing it nonstop, not being tired of it, well, then I'm going to stop and I'm going to move on to something else that is going to fuel that. And, and NFTs have, have now become that for me. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great to learn how to build a business. Um, it's been able to get me out of the apartment and just thinking about my back and the injuries all the time. And, and just like, am I going to be able to play soccer again? And so it's, it's really been freeing, um, for me. No, that's awesome. Um, and, and last one, uh, who's a player that you want to either past or present that you'd want to do a Jersey exchange with who, um, I would probably say two, uh, Rolandinho because I mean, one, he's an incredible player. The, the joy and passion, you know, that he played with, and the skill and flair was incredible. He's probably one of my favorite players of all time. Um, So I'd love to exchange with him. And then I will say um, Edwin Vandersar, one of my favorite goalkeepers, someone I've really tried to, you know, obviously outside of Casey Keller, like a goalkeeper that I've tried to mimic my game off of. He's very long, um, tall, smooth. You know, this guy didn't fly around like, making saves for the camera, but, you know, he can pick a ball out of the corner with just his footwork and technique and, you know, a little push. Um, and uh, he was class under pressure. Um, so those would be like the two. I, it would be tough to pick one. Yeah, definitely. Ronaldinho used to be the man. Like I remember, uh, I know me and you were around the same age, so I know like he was just – uh, he was all over everything, like in the FIFA games and everything. It was crazy. He had like, and like pretty sure he had like 99 speed. Like it was crazy. It was awesome. And then like, I actually just probably like, I think two weeks ago, um, I was talking with someone on Twitter, uh, you know, and he had a cheeseburger. Oh, like, you know, you play soccer, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's like, my favorite player was, you know, Rondinho. I was like, oh my gosh. Like he was, he's one of my favorites too. I was like, did you see the Yoga Benito commercials? And they're like, what? Like, no. Um, and so I went back and watched like all those Nike Yoga Benito commercials, you know, even when it wasn't Rolandinho, the ones like Ronaldo and, and Zlatan. I was like, man, these were so awesome. Like, I don't know how many times I watched those commercials just like on repeat on Google or like on, on YouTube and stuff. And it was, it was actually just like a lot of fun to go back and watch them all again, like a couple of weeks ago. And again, like that joy. And and that's, I feel like the joy and passion that I have for, for soccer, you know, especially when we're talking about the growth of the USL and what we're doing. And yeah, you can make a career out of it, but I tell you what, like we aren't playing this sport for the money because if we were, we, well, I don't know, we wouldn't be playing for, for the money. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, you, you have to have that joy and passion and, and especially to go through some of the growth of this league and, and continue to play and push. It's, it's all about the love of the game for sure. And, and there's, you know, there's, that's the one thing I've missed the most. There's nothing like being on the field and, 
and that being the only thing, you know, going on in the world. Um, so yeah, the, those are, those are the guys. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Just playing FIFA, like Eto became my favorite player and just running with him and, uh, Messi and, and Ronaldinho is crazy. Mm-hmm. They were, what a they were stacked. Yeah. They were. Barcelona. What, a, what a squad that year. Yeah. Well, Zach, I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, could you let the listeners know where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am at zlubin28. Uh, I think on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, find me there. If you want to learn a lot about NFTs, hit me up. Uh, I'm always happy to educate. Um, and uh, yeah, come come through, say hello. Quincy Marroquois here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening and let us know who you'd like us to interview next, we'll get working on that right away. You can listen to this full episode and more at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today.